0: You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret.
1: Hey, what's up, traders? It's here from DesireTrade.com. Now, today I'm with Steve Byrne. Steve is the author of five best selling books. He has a lot of knowledge that he shares with mostly new traders on how they can, how they can survive in trading. Its number one mission, its number one goal is to increase the survival rate of traders. You have the most number of people getting into trading and staying in it profitably. So, what's up, Steve? What are we doing? Doing great today. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good as always. <laughs> I was laughing because you were telling me about this, uh, your mission, basically, of increasing the, the rate of uh, people surviving trading, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I try to, uh, in the educational part of my. Um, I try to uh, increase the survival rate. I try to have the books that I wish I would have had when I started without spending thousands of dollars.
1: Cool. I really like that. It's awesome. What is uh, one quote that you live by? I
0: think it's a a quote, uh, I I know what my future will be because I intend to create it. And I think it comes from uh, Peter Drucker and I think they've also attributed it to Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. It's like creating your future instead of just going with the flow.
1: So I guess you've been able to create your future because today you're a successful trader, right?
0: Yeah, th- and things that I had uh, planned on doing when I was in my teens, I have accomplished almost all my goals.
1: Cool, awesome. So, well, what were some of those goals?
0: You know, they were start out simple. You know, I come from very humble backgrounds. You know, I wanted to to have a certain income in my first job. Uh, I wanted to uh uh I wanted to have six figure net worth as my first goal, you know, I wanted to uh compound money for a decade, have accounts I didn't touch and uh you know it's the same thing, you know, happy marriages, children, what have you. But uh I've accomplished every goal I set out, which seemed pretty crazy when I was eighteen years old. I've already I accomplished most of those before I was twenty five.
1: Hmm, awesome. What do you think is the number one key for your success? I
0: think you just work really, really hard. I think you can outwork probably 90% of people, even if they're more talented than you are. Mm,
1: that's cool. So tell us how, how you went into trading and how did you start?
0: Yeah, I started really young when I was a teenager actually, uh, looking at compound uh, growth tables you know, based on interest or, uh, or returns and just amazed at how you could start with such a small amount and through compounding you could double money and triple money, quadruple money. And I thought that was fascinating and I wanted to have some money set aside at a young age that I could compound for many years. And I still have accounts that I haven't touched in 25 years. Mm. And it works.
1: Now you've been telling me about uh, the couple of uh, failures you had, right? You said you, were, so you had basically books that you wrote for, that you wish you had at, at, at the time. Yeah. So what g- happened when you were learning training? How did you like fail? What were your biggest failures? Yeah, I had
0: uh, I had enough money to pay my first house off in uh, March of 2000 with the internet bubble. I mean, I thought I really knew what I was doing in 2000 because I had put everything in tech, you know, tech mutual funds and, and dot-coms, and I had built up a, a good amount for me at that time, and I actually had more in my uh, uh, accounts than, I, than my mortgage even was at, at 28 years old. So I thought I really knew what I was doing and then I learned from 2000 to early 2003 that I didn't. I just was fortunate that I had invested in uh, tech companies. So I had to go back and start from the drawing board in 2003 and figure out, you know, risk management, psychology and and actually how to capture trends.
1: That must have have been like a really, really interesting period, right? Because I wasn't trading in the thousands. how did you how did you start that? You just invested in some stocks and waited for a good exit, or?
0: Yeah, actually I was holding uh, tech mutual funds, which I started early on in, in tax-deferred accounts, retirement accounts, so I didn't have to pay capital gains on it back early on, and, uh, and I was mainly just in tech. I thought tech was the way of the future, for, you know, and uh, I invested mainly in tech mutual funds, so I spread across the risk in the most aggressive tech mutual funds I could find, and I did amazingly well for many years. I had years up forty percent, uh, but I was still trying to diversify, and I ended up going from my peak where I could have paid off my mortgage at twenty eight years old back in a had a fifty percent drawdown in capital by two thousand three, but I had gotten back to even by about two thousand five, and that's when the growth really began. Mm. The, the biggest thing I learned from the March two thousand to early two thousand three meltdown was not to go through it again. So I was actually able to exit with all my profits in in a. Uh, January 2008, my, my some of my main accounts, and uh, locked in my gains from 2003 to 2007, and went to cash in 2008 in my main accounts. So I actually was positive 2008, and I mainly just day traded through the 2008 to March of 2009, before I started really getting into longer term uh, position trades uh, in March of 2009. But it still was pretty difficult in 2009 because of the volatility, but. But that that a lot of the lessons I was able to do some pretty good things just based on the lessons I learned early on.
1: What were some of these lessons you learned early on?
0: Yeah, to always have an exit strategy. No matter how much you believe in a in a trade or an investment, you have to have a when you get out stage. You know the the simple thing in my newest book I talk about with a four hundred one k or a retirement or an IRA or a four hundred three b because you know investors don't know when the heck do they get out and they wait until a ten or twenty percent correction. And then they don't know what to do. They're trapped, or they get out too late. Then they don't know when to get back in. The simplest way to handle that is when the indexes, the stock indexes, fall below a 200-day moving average, you simply go to cash. Then, when they go back above them, you can go back into your investments, whatever they may be—across uh, indexes or mutual funds or the S&P 500. But it's, but all the bad things happen under the 200-day. They don't always happen. I mean, you can be whipsawed, but when you do have a crisis like 2008 or t- uh, two thousand one two thousand and two you will be in cash, so you will avoid that like this year i've been able to outperform the s and p by ten percent in my retirement account by simply being in cash mm-hmm. because the two hundred day was lost mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that's interesting now i want to go a little bit more into the learning process you had to go through. Did you have to learn the hard the hard way or how did <laughs> you
0: yeah i paid i paid enough in losses to probably go to college for <laughs> oh, okay. my from for my losses that I had in the a lot of it, for me, I was fortunate because I started in the 90s, so a lot of my losses were just capital gains from the past, so mm-hmm. so I'd build up accounts, and then I'd have drawdowns from an e- equity peak, so I was fortunate in that way. People in the last decade haven't been quite as fortunate because we've had such a sideways market overall for the last 15 years. There's been big, nice trends, and then big reversals, and then comebacks, and, but uh, really the 80s through the 90s was pretty much uh, just a big, huge uptrend for the most part outside of 1987.
1: And did you take any? Did you take any course to learn how to trade?
0: I think I've read about every trading book that's any that, that should be read. I probably read between 400 trading books and maybe a hundred on personal finance and investing. And I was a I was a top 100 reviewer on Amazon because I'd actually written reviews on Amazon to sort of clarify my thoughts over the last um, uh, dozen years. So that really got an amazing education from some of the best authors like Van Tharp, Alexander Elder, Michael Covell, uh, Richard Wiseman. I, I, learned a t- I just learned so much from them. I, I, it, it, le- it shortened my learning curve dramatically.
1: Mm-hmm. Only from books.
0: Yeah, books and real life losing money. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. the best teacher.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you've probably been in touch with a lot of new of traders recently. Of recently. What are the mistakes you see them make or, they, or what's, what's something that's missing for them?
0: yeah they they want to predict everyone has and, and that's it took me a long time to learn that they want to predict what's going to happen instead of simply looking at what is happening and trading accordingly looking for the the clues and the trends and going with it instead of uh instead of trying to predict I've seen people blow up their accounts in two thousand thirteen where they kept trying to buy uh, puts on the S&P, thinking it had to go back to 200 days sometime in 2013 and they blew up accounts and they even used risk management they blew up. But prediction is just a, a dangerous aspect of trading because you can't predict what every single trader and every single investor and every single central bank of the world is going to do. All you can really do is, is go with the flow of what they are doing, what the market's doing reacting to those actions. And the other one is position sizing. They just trade way too big. So the first losing streak is their last losing streak.
1: What type of uh, of uh, positions and sizes have you seen in the past? Like, what's common for uh, newer traders?
0: Yeah, they just go all in. They have all small okay. accounts. <laughs> they try to they try to trade with a few thousand dollars, and they just go all in every trade. And it's and even worse, sometimes they'll go in the futures contracts. and They don't understand the leverage involved, or they'll go into options contracts, and they, they all they see is the upside. They don't see the downside. And if uh, even the trade the right size, the commissions can be just too high of a percentage of their accounts. So they end up, you know, they have a $700 account. They're doing $7 commissions. Each trade's a 1% drawdown. So that's, that's a disaster. You just can't overcome that. You have to have the right size to begin with. And when you do have the right size, you can't go all in. You have to control. Um, you know, I try never to never lose more than 1% of my capital on any one trade if I'm wrong. And uh, for them, they think that's too small. Well, it's like their their accounts too small. One percent should be a good amount for whatever you're trading. Mm-hmm.
1: I want to go a little more into details into like those two those two things. So first of all, like the prediction. This is like like this is something everyone do with, at the beginning. I would say, like people want to be right. They want to predict exactly like what's gonna happen. And I feel like people get some sort of like a sense of accomplishment from it, right? So how <laughs> how can you tell someone? How can you make someone understand that? Trading is not about predicting.
0: Yeah, like at the instance, like uh, Apple. Uh, let me think. Apple. Uh, you know, it was about two hundred dollars in the first quarter of two thousand seven. Apple was two hundred dollars a share, and then you, in two thousand seven. So you thought, okay, it's going to go to seven hundred. I'm sure it's going to go to seven hundred. You know, it's a hot company. They've got the iPhones. It's going to conquer the world. They'd have been completely right on a fundamental basis. So they could have went into Apple and said it's going to seven hundred. But between their 200 in March of 2007, or uh, the first quarter of 2007, until it got to 700, I think it was around March or April, probably March of 2012, it went from 200 back to 70, then slowly back up to 700. So anybody that could have been wrong, they would have lost the vast majority of their account, even though they were right. It would have been a much prudent, more prudent thing to actually trade based on even a moving average trend of the 200-day or the 100-day or an all-time high breakout. And you would have, I mean, I traded, I did very well with Apple through 2007 and then back again in 2012 by simply going with the actual trend going on. So I agreed with them, but once a price action doesn't confirm what you believe, then it invalidates it.
1: So this is one reason why it's better not to rely only on fundamental analysis, right?
0: Yeah, fundamental analysis, you know, it, it it uh it's not really connected. The all that matters is what people are willing to pay. You know, any stock is worth exactly what someone's willing to pay for the stock or the, or the commodity right now. You know, all the fundamentalists just have opinions. The traders and investors have the money.
1: Yeah, well, I believe personally that like what you want to trade is really, like really what you see on the chart. Like it's really like the chart. The chart with all the is is gonna go probably up or down. But you really have to. Look only at the chart, so like what's your what what are things you're looking for when you trade yeah I'm, I'm looking for
0: trends I'm looking for uh, moving averages I'm looking for uh, higher highs and higher lows I'm looking for lower lows and lower highs I'm looking for either an asset being accumulated or an asset being distributed I And mean, you can tell that in, in the in on the charts and the trends I'm also looking for something like oversold far extended from the mean. And I I mean, I do reversion of the mean trades as well, where the risk reward starts looking good when something's so far away from a a moving average that it generally touches. Mm
1: -hmm. So would that mean you would enter like a short on a retracement to the moving average?
0: Yeah, I mean, I will go short. Generally, I try to sell strength in downtrends. I short rallies and downtrends and I buy weakness in uptrends is how I generally trade. I swing trade inside of the larger trend. I look for the next, the next um, time frame up. I'll even, at times, with volatility, I'll day trade based on the daily chart, but I'll trade off the hourly. Mm,
1: okay. And what is your average uh, period for holding your trade?
0: Well, it depends on, if in a, in a good trend, I will hold up to, uh, three to three to five weeks in a really good, strong trend. Okay. And normally, though it's about a week about a swing a swing trade of three to five days normally, but the more volatile it gets, the, the shorter my time frame gets mm-hmm.
1: When do you decide on the point at which you want to exit the trade do you Do you look at only risk reward or do you have specific measures? Do you look for the next structure or how do you exit yeah, the trade?
0: the biggest thing i oh, exit the biggest thing i look for is where i put my how much i'm going to lose if i'm wrong is the first thing i look for and then i look at where where the trade will be invalidated at at a support or resistance then i trade so if it is invalidated at those levels i'll lose about 1% of my total trading capital so if i'm trading for uh, 20% of my 10% of my account, then I can have a 10% move and still only be down 1%. Or if I have a 20% position size of my account, I can have 5% move against me and still only be down 1% of my trading capital. Mm-hmm. So I look first to look at the the odds of whether my, my stop will be hit. So I, I enter with my stop in mind and my risk in mind. Then I target where the potential it could go to, and I try to. My my ideally I want to see it go three times higher than my uh, stop is three to one risk reward ratio, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trading inside of a trend, a pullback to a support, a key moving average. Ideally, in trends, I'll use a trailing stop to exit, let it run as far as it wants to go, and then only get out when it reverses, like underneath the previous day's low. Mm-hmm. I also try to trade small enough where I can have end of day stops, so I try to avoid all the intraday noise. That goes on with high-frequency trading and
1: day traders. Mm-hmm. All the gaps and stuff. Yeah, that, that's cool. One of the topics I want to go a little bit into is because uh, I saw you have a book, Trading Abbots, right? Yes. So it's, it's called Trading Abbots, Twenty Nine of the World's Most Powerful Stock Market Rules. Can you tell us what habits or what rules are most common, or uh, you will see which one are the best for traders? Yeah,
0: three. Yeah, three good ones. Um, uh, Paul Tudor Jones, what he always says, uh, he looks at the 200-day moving average as his main barometer because, I mean, he knows so- statistically, you know, when something goes under a 200 days and a downtrend, above a 200 days and an uptrend, generally, I mean, it'll, sometimes it'll have a little caterpillar uh, pattern over up and down and, and chop you up a few times, but, but generally, the 200-day is the best filter for a trend in most markets. Most of the back testing using a 200-day or even crossover system for moving averages far outperforms buy and hold because um, you know there are ways to capture a trend that's far better than the buy and hold investing. It's just using the discipline to do that. Another one is, of course, to never lose more than 1% on any trade. If you have a $100,000 account you're trading with, you should never lose more than $1,000 dollars. That should be where if your stop is hit, you lose $1,000. Mm-hmm. 1% doesn't mean that's your position size. It means you know capital, total capital risk. If you have five losing trades in a row with 1%, you'll only be down 5% of your capital. If you're risking 4 or 5% of your capital per trade, five trades, you're down 25%. We know it takes, takes much more money to make it back up. If you're down 50% in your trading account, it takes a 100% return just to get back to even. If you're down you know, 20%, it takes 25% return to get back to even. So never getting yourself in that situation helps dramatically, too. Another one I like from uh, Canuck to USA on Twitter, uh, Dean Carey, he says, uh, there's always opportunity in a crisis. Usually when there's the biggest fear and the biggest sell-off and the biggest capitulation, that's usually where the best opportunity is to get good dip buy opportunities. But I've got 39 of those in the book. It's been a really popular uh, book that's really helped a lot of people.
1: Are there some rules that you apply personally? Like, what would be the main one?
0: Uh, never lose more than one percent of my trading account no on wizard. any one trade. That's <laughs> and that's uh, pretty cool. That's pretty. And awesome. uh, and uh, always take my stop the first time it's hit. Uh, right. Always go with the long-term trend. Yeah, I have. I really I divide the rules into psychology, uh, risk management, and uh, and methodology. So there's rules for for all three of those areas.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Who are the, the traders that you look, uh, that you admire I would say? I yeah, like uh,
0: Michael Covell, I, I think uh, my biggest progress was made to uh, Michael Covell's uh, books and teachings and, uh, and all the interviews he did with some of the biggest money managers in the world. Uh, Jack Swager's Market Wizards was just uh, another whopper. Amazing what the wisdom he got from them and uh, Richard Wiseman. Uh, trade like a casino, I mean that was another, uh, those are three of the best that really helped me become profitable consistently over the long term.
1: That's pretty cool, now one of the topics that people are looking a lot into is really like being comfortable one day trades, so, like knowing that they can enter a trade peacefully, so like you have a book I saw, Calm Trader, so can you tell us a little bit what it takes to be a calm trader?
0: Yeah, you got to have confidence and faith in yourself as a trader and in your system. You have to trust yourself to be able to control your position size and your emotions to trade where you keep yourself financially safe. And you have to know that your process you're using, your trading plan, your trading system, your methodology works in the time frame you need it to work in. You know, trading is interspersed with wins and losses. You need big wins and small losses, you know, will make you profitable. Uh, even even if your winning percentage is low, but you—it's the faith in yourself and your system. You gotta, you know, you—that's the thing that breaks a lot of the new traders. Is once they just do some crazy big trade, got a and they're sure it's going to be right, and then it's wrong, and they lose a lot of money. They it breaks them. They talk a lot about the financial risk of ruin in trading, but there's also a mental and emotional risk of ruin, where once you lose a lot of money doing the wrong thing, uh, most people just quit.
1: Yeah, this is unfortunate. I feel like, uh, yeah, a, a lot of people are not able to be compensated, and it's probably because they don't have the right, the right tools in place, right? They don't have confidence that what they trade will work. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they have
0: the it's the right thing not to be confident because you know you have to have com- competent competence before you have confidence. Mm-hmm. When people have confidence before they have competence, you know that's when they get in trouble. Yeah, you know, I didn't. Uh, I learned the hard way through real money, and I just got lucky through the '90s and early 2000. And then pay the price for luck because you know, if you're making money trading just through luck, the when the market changes, the dynamics it's currently showing the the money you want through luck will be redispersed back to the traders that have done their homework and have skills.
1: So that's like overconfidence at that point, right? Yeah, thinking that they're ready and they're not. Uh-huh. So how do you know when you're like really ready to trade and really ready to uh, I would say go live?
0: Yeah, I think that's my my new Trader U course is all about is having a trading plan, having the right mindset, psychology, having done the right back testing, having having knowing what methodology you're trading, knowing what your edge is, knowing how much you're gonna lose if you're wrong, uh, knowing uh, what your position sizing will be, where it becomes a pretty um, overall mechanical process of finding the right setups and trades and entry signals and exit signals, more like running a business. Is how good trading is opposed to bad trading is like going into a casino.
1: Now, I know a lot of traders are hearing this and they say, oh, my God, I have to do all this. And it's what? like a lot of work. But it doesn't have to be so complicated, right?
0: Right. Yeah, that's what I try to do uh, is is in the trading world, I'm not writing 400-page trading books. that They're just <laughs> filling up just, you know, the publisher is happy with a big hard cover for $49. I'm just getting to the point and just yes. writing what exactly is needed.
1: Yeah, I know, it's it's all about that, definitely. <laughs> now you said at the beginning that you've achieved pretty much all your goals that you've set uh, when you were 25. Yes. And even before 25. So now, what's what's keep, what's keeping you motivated, and what goal do you have for your future?
0: Yeah, uh, well, my my, uh, my wife yeah. has me motivated. We want our goal is to have a semi-retirement, you know, to the beach uh, in Florida, where she wants to live. So that's what keeps me motivated because, I mean, we have enough money to do whatever we want to do at this point. We just don't have enough money to do nothing. But uh, I'll always be you know, blogging and trading, and I love Twitter and social media. And, and uh, so many things I do, it's like other people watch TV and play video games, you know, that is my thing. I love the interaction on social media, and I love blogging. And I've always loved uh, reading and uh, and learning. So that's another big passion of mine.
1: What kind of books would you recommend for traders? or What is related to trading or not?
0: Uh, awesome book. Some of my favorite, like "The Power of Now," I thought that was by Eckhart Tolle, as a powerful book for just living in the present moment and getting your mind in the right place. Uh, uh, you know, even Dave Dave Ramsey and Robert Kaisaki's personal finance teaching—they're—they're mm-hmm. uh, they're phenomenal for personal. I don't agree with uh, a lot of Robert Kiyosaki's uh, complexity of his cash flow investments, and I don't agree with Dave Ramsey's buy and hold on uh, mutual funds. But but it's—they're uh, the best on groundwork for personal finance. So I mean, I really love the personal finance aspects and the uh, and the philosophy and spiritual aspects of Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. And are there any books that you've read related to trading that are really good? Except I would say your books, because I'm I'm pretty sure yeah. all your books are good. But any other Yeah,
0: books? yeah. Richard Wiseman's "Trade Like a Casino," where he explains how you trade with an edge, where you're actually trading. You're the casino, and let the other traders be the gamblers, and that's how you can win. And uh Trend Following by Michael Covell, where he talks about um, not not predicting, simply being profitable through capturing trends, long-term trends with diversified futures trading. And uh, Van Tharp has one, Trade Your Way to Financial Freedom, where he goes into uh, really well into the marble game, explaining position sizing and how you can doom yourself. Yeah. And, of course, Jack Swager's Market Wizards. Those might be the best trading books ever written.
1: Awesome. I think that's going to be a big list for all the traders <laughs> listening right now. They're going to have a lot of work to do. Cool. So, how can people find you?
0: Uh, I am at uh, newtraderu.com, dot uh, com. The letter U. It's like University New Trader Letter U dot com. I'm on a Twitter at s Joseph Burns on, a, on Twitter. And uh, I think everything else. We have a we have a private trading group on Facebook. We got uh, I think over a thousand members of. But uh, usually, go to New Trader You can pretty much find everything.
1: Yeah, so there's everything, social media, everything. All your books, your books are all on Amazon, right? Yes, they're
0: all uh, exclusive to Amazon.
1: Oh, awesome! So, how h- how many books do you have, and c- can you give us just an overview of like what's each book about?
0: Yeah, I've got uh, we've got about eleven, twelve, oh, eleven cool. or twelve books. Okay. I have a five from an original publisher before we we started our own publishing company. Uh, you know, I try to cover. Have New Trader U, uh, New Trader. I'm sorry, New Trader 101. That's the uh, first book. That's just a great place to start. It's like the shortcut I always wish I had when I started trading. I have Trading Habits, which is 39 quick rules you can enter, put into your trading plan and help develop a system with. Calm Traders is my psychology book for trading. Uh, I've got um, Moving Averages 101. It just talks about each moving average and, and how to in, uh, put them inside of your trading system and what they mean. I've got Buy Signal, Sell Signals, which talks about how to quantify your entries and exits into trades. And I got a new one, actually. I just published it. It was number one, briefly. That's a tough category with the actual investing category. Uh, was it was tra- uh, Investing Habits. That's the place where you know all of our... Uh, Family can read it. Even it's just about ten ten great investing habits you can create at a young age to build build wealth, and it's for everybody, not just for active traders, but for anybody that wants to to, to get a investment account, a retirement account, a four hundred one k, and grow and compound money over a long period of time. And it's really the ten things that I did do for a long time. Well, like New Trader One Hundred One is the the things I wished I had done, you know, fifteen years ago.
1: Right, that, that's really awesome. I'm pretty excited about the uh, investing avid because I, I think everyone should be at least involved a little bit in, in investing like just knowing how how to place their money and how how that works
0: It's such a crucial part of everybody's life you know getting financial pressure off of you makes your life so much better in every way
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely a good way to live life so now I'll have one last question for you, Steve before I just wanted to remind the listeners that the show notes are going to be all on this this com forward slash Steve I guess we'll have everything there desire forward slash Steve and everything will be there everything that's been mentioned all the books which I'll have a lot to put there it's going to be a great resource for, uh, for traders definitely and Steve my last question is if you could give only one piece of advice for new traders what would that one piece of advice be?
0: Never always have small losses never have big losses
1: I like that losses cool cool so thanks a lot Steve for being on the Disar Street podcast and it's been really great to have you I feel like you have a lot of experience a lot of things people can, can take on and definitely use in their trading and guys I'll see you in the next episode bye